Hey everyone, welcome to Sick in the City, where Amanda and Mel, two sick chicks spilling the tea on chronic illness. Today we're going to be catching up and talking all things energy healing. We have a really amazing special guest, Amanda Dahl, and we're just excited to get into it. So hey Mel, it's been a while. What's going on? I know, I miss you. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I haven't seen your face in so long except on the internet. (laughs) I know. Well, it's funny because I was listening to one of our old episodes this morning um, because one of my new coworkers told me she was listening to it. And I was like, which episode? (laughs) Which one was it? The diet culture episode. Oh. So I was like, I wonder what happened in that that episode. I need to re-listen because I don't really remember. Um, So it was nice. I mean, we had a hella long really like intro in that episode was like a 30 minute long intro so i'm like she's sitting here like we're not even talking about nutrition we're just gabbing about like new york and the highways and like (laughs) my whole situation when i missed the train like when my mom yes 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 oh my god that's funny that you said that because i had somebody recently tell me they were listening to the coffee enema episode and i re-listened to it and yeah, it's like, it's kind of like one of those things where you sort of black out. Like, I don't remember anything that we've talked, like said. No. So it's kind of fun to go back and, and listen and, you know, ah, God, it's crazy. It's been a year. And so life has been just crazy since then. And so many new things and things happening and so many new things. I mean, I think it's also because when we started this, it was still during the pandemic and, and Mm -hmm. so many of our episodes, we kind of mentioned like, yeah, you know, like COVID and quarantine. And it was like, I had mentioned that the bridal shower, your bridal shower was the first event I'd gone to in like a year and a half. And I'm like, God, it's, it is crazy. Like how much has changed. And I feel like on the verge of this new era, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed so much is changing. Everything's changing. I mean, the life that we knew kind of stopped for a couple of years and yeah. (laughs) And things have, have been feeling back to somewhat normal. You know, I, I was out at natural products expo West last week in California and it was crazy because that was probably my 10th or 11th time doing that show, which is for people that don't know, is probably the largest natural products, um, food, skincare, everything, uh, supplements in, in the country. And it's been off for two years. And so I had been, I had done it forever And it was really wild being there because nobody was wearing masks. Mm -hmm. They had just lifted the mandate in California. So people were so excited to be, (laughs) to be like around, but it didn't occur to me really until I got home that I had been around so many people and that nobody had masks. They were sampling products and it was just, I I don't know. It was kind of like being back exactly the way that it was. And that was really weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm realizing too, is that it's like, it's going to take me a while to kind of get used to it. But at the same time, I miss it so much. I mean, and it's, it's funny when you told me you're going to Expo West, I've heard about it so many times. And like I, all of the people I follow on Instagram every year are like at Expo West and sampling everything and they take video of everything. And I'm always like, oh my God, I want to sample everything. That's my dream is to be able to go to events and sample everything. That's why I went to Paleo FX. Like the first year I became Paleo because I missed just being able to get free food (laughs) from like places. I know. I know. It's like walking through Costco. That's like kind of the way, the way it is, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think I was telling you, you know, when I started going years and years ago, 
I was so in awe of it. Like I'm so excited to be there. And I do think that walking through or walking a show as a guest is totally different than the experience of working it. Um, just because like, yes, it's amazing. You walk through and you sample everything. I had gotten to the point, like my first couple of years, like I would do that anyway. Like I'd take a break and I wouldn't have lunch. I would just go walk the show. But now all these years in, and I'm an old vet, I'm like, okay, you don't eat the show food. (laughs) You take samples home with you. Do not eat the stuff they're giving out because you get a stomach ache. You're like, it's like totally, it's it's a crazy thing. Sugar high, sugar high. (laughs) Yeah. But my first year going, I was, I was paleo, which is totally wild now going all these years later and being vegan, but I was paleo and it was like really on the I would say like kind of the peak of like when paleo things were hitting the market. And so I was, anytime I saw a paleo, like trail mix or like a treat, I was so excited. So like, there was like one trail mix, God, I don't even remember the name now mm-hmm. of it. They didn't become super famous. So sorry for them, but they were like feeding me this whole time. I was so <laughs> excited. It's yeah. like, this is the only thing I can eat. I basically cried to the Siete family in Austin <laughs> at the paleo FX Cause it was right after they, they launched like yeah. Siete had just come to the scene and the whole family was there. And I'm like, I know you from the back of your chip bag. Um, but it was, the first tortilla chips and salsa and guacamole I had had in years since I had become paleo and and I told them my whole story it was so funny because I was just I was there by myself I was at the whole conference by myself and and they're like oh my god you're so sweet do you want a free t-shirt and I'm like do I want a free t-shirt like yes but those are the kind of like memories I feel like I would make at events like that but I was kind of curious Did, did you see anything new that you think is exciting I, I will say just in terms of brands, like I fell in love with, I don't know if you know the brand Coco June. Yeah, of course. Okay. I, so we were directly across from them and hung out with them like the entire time and they make a coconut yogurt. They also have an oat yogurt and they were, they were giving me like each night. Cause I, I was so busy. I barely ate. They were giving me their overnight oats and they're a New York brand, super small. Like they were so good. And now I'm like oh. a fan of Coco June. I'm like, wow. Oh my gosh. No, I think they're my favorite coconut yogurt easily. Um, they taste I really good, but love, a surprisingly love, love. small brand though. Like yeah. there's like maybe 10 people, six people, maybe that work there. So yeah, it's just, it's fun to be at that kind of event. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that I, that I saw that I was excited about. Oh, the other thing I saw, there was somebody who wasn't there yet, but was walking around handing out stuff that I ended up getting from someone called Glow Nuts and they are raw vegan donut holes and they were freaking delicious. I got a box of those and they sell those on the online and their branding was just super cool. Like it's like very cosmic out of this world, kind of fun. Also additionally, Belly Welly, they are a brand that makes products for like delicious treats and bars for people that have IBS. So they kind of remove all of the different things that could affect somebody's stomach to not be able to digest, which is a huge issue in the protein bar snack bar industry, because they put everything has something in it that can affect your stomach, especially even with like kind bars and stuff. Not everyone could like digest that many nuts. So Yeah. Oh no. I'm jealous of all the free snacks. I've been (laughs) snacking a lot lately. Like I just miss all those fun things. I think as the sun's coming out, like as we're getting into spring, I'm like, Oh, I'm craving like new food. I've been hibernating at home and not going out at all. And well, it's a good time for you to, I think 
get some snacks because you have some news and I think your schedule is getting a little bit busier. You want to talk about what that is? Yeah, I'm really excited. I have officially moved on from a part-time work experience and accepted a full-time job with a functional doctor. And I'm so excited. I really did not expect to do this. Like, I I mean, when I left my full-time photography job, I was like, I'm never doing full-time again. Like, it was just too draining. It it feels like it's sealing too much of my life and my time. And I'm going to do part-time work and I'm going to work on my business. And The more I did it, the more I just realized, like, my (laughs) – I'm not sure if I'm fully cut out for that lifestyle. (laughs) And I just wanted to really find the thing that fits and works well with me. And and I found this amazing, amazing functional MD in Florida who was looking for health coaches, functional nutritionists. And and it's just such a good fit. And I'm so excited. And the practice is called Naples Vitality. And they have such an impressive – program and i'm so excited to learn from this team it's so like energetic every time i feel like they all get together and we had our first meeting yesterday and it started with like a three minute grounding meditation and breathing exercise and i was sitting like at home in my living room and i was like this is the dream this is the dream like this is how it should be though (laughs) like i feel like that's like so so important yeah and i and i think just like working with purpose, I think makes us want to work hard. And, you know, we feel like we're being supported by the people that we're working for and have a reason to kind of push forward. I think that that's just incredible. Yeah. I'm really excited. I I feel like I could be here for a long time. I am excited to dive in and learn more. I mean, the cool thing is they help support you through continuing education programs. So now my brain is like, what other courses do I want to do? (laughs) What do I want to get certified in? (laughs) And so now I'm just kind of exploring what those options are. But it's a it's a good time, you know, for change. I feel like come March springtime. Thank God. Spring. It's you know, we're going into a new season. It's good to kind of clean out the old, bring in the new. Mm -hmm. So that's incredible. And also it's the beginning of a new year for you. Yeah. (laughs) And my birthday is next week and and I'm so excited. You already gave me your birthday present. Oh, I did. You bought me a whole Akashic Records reading. I did. I did. I did that a couple of weeks ago. And it was so cool and totally not what I was expecting. And if you guys listened to our last episode, we go into all the details about what it is and what it entails and how it can help you in your life. And and I think the one thing I want to mention that I thought was so cool was my soul origin, which I know is just an interesting interesting thing to learn about but the one thing i learned is that i guess my soul origin is from andromeda so i'm andromedan right and i am a mission realmer which means that my soul's mission is to resolve negativity on our planet which when she told me that i was like yes damn (laughs) like okay yeah you're like you're like, exactly. Like, yes. Like you raise the energy and the vibration just like by existing. And like, I think now seeing you kind of go into this path where you're doing like group coaching, 
I think that that really works for you energetically to kind of like be in these like groups, right. Of where you can kind of like take the energy and sort of just like raise it overall, right. Like raise the vibration of the group that you're in. Yeah. I love group coaching. Um, because there's just a different kind of energy about it. Like you said, like when it's one-on-one, it can get, it gets really heavy. It does. And I always was like, this is what I meant to do, but doing the group coaching just feels so much better. It feels really, really uplifting. And, and like you said, like high vibrational. And I, I'm just really excited. I mean, like just speaking of energy in general, like this, that's what this whole episode is about, you know? And when we talk about raising that energy, that's what we mean. Like energy healing is such an interesting healing therapy that you and I have both done. And we're Mm -hmm. so excited. We have a special guest in this episode today, Amanda Dahl, who's an energy healer. Amanda took the energy healing scene by storm after her own intense journey with chronic illness. With her gentle guidance and fresh approach, clients who have tried everything enjoy accelerated healing and renewed hope. Physical, emotional, and spiritual needs are considered as Amanda leads clients to a life of health and new possibilities. Amanda and her husband, Christopher, co-own Doll Holistic Health, where they use energy healing, health and soul coaching, muscle testing, energy sensing, somatic exercises, and mindset work to activate people's vitality so that they can thrive. Hi, Amanda. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are so, so yeah, we're so happy that you're here. So I just want to let's kick it off and get started. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and what it is that you do. Yeah. So I got into energy healing. Um, when I was in my own healing journey, I, I, and my family were diagnosed with Lyme disease in 2013. And, you know, we always start with the physical things when we're doing healing, right? It's our body says something's wrong. We go to the doctor and we start treating physical symptoms. That's usually how people's healing journey starts. But then somewhere along the line, we realize like we need to do some emotional healing. We need to do some energetic healing. And I stumbled into those other two realms. I had no idea that energy healing even existed when I started experiencing it myself. So I had a person who does mobile massage. She comes to my house. And the first time that I worked with her, this was back in late. No, I'm sorry. It was 2014. She came over and she was giving me a massage. We all know what a massage feels like. But this was like massage amped up like 10 notches. I was feeling (laughs) warmth. I was seeing color and I'm like, okay, something else is going on here. So at the end of the massage, I said, okay, that was amazing. But what else were you doing? And that's when she shared with me that she was doing a little, just a little bit of Reiki. And I was like, okay, well, from now on, can you please come over and do that? (laughs) You know, I, I just didn't even really care about the massage at that point as wonderful as she is. I was like, I want to experience more of that, but that wasn't when I started learning how to do it myself. I was only using it for my own healing. Um, I had a very profound session where we were working, she was working on the top of my head. And for those of us in the chronic illness community, we understand what brain fog feels like. And when you've had brain fog for a really long time, can't remember family members' names, you know, I had really bad brain fog and she was working on my head. And all of a sudden it was like a spigot was opened up 
and I felt all of the brain fog just leave. And we literally started the session. I could barely hold a conversation. And by the end of the session, I was like, tell me everything. Like, wow. yeah, you know, it, it was amazing. So wow. that was how I got into like my early experiences with energy work. And then it was about a year later that I woke up, you know, we get our calling mm -hmm. and I woke up and it was, I don't know, three o'clock in the morning. And I sat straight up and I just, it was like a lightning bolt went through me. I had to learn Reiki wow. and I, um, I connected with the person that was, was doing my sessions. And I said, okay, I'm ready to learn. Where do I go? And at the time she was, you know, she was a level two Reiki practitioner and I went and did my level one, did my level two. And then I hung out at the level two um, arena for about a year. Usually it's good to take time between levels. And then I actually, my husband and I were taking classes and we actually went master along with the person that we had been working oh, wow. with all that time. That's cool. We all went master together. So that was really <laughs> fun. So that's my background and how I got into cool. energy work. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, oh my God, that's so cool. I was going to ask you be about how you made that decision to do it yourself, because I do think that although anyone can learn how to do these modalities, I do think it takes a special, very intuitive type of person who's open to this different type of healing to be able to help others heal. So I think that that's so incredible are you now working with people who have Lyme and sort of integrating this into, into what your business is essentially? Yeah, it was interesting because, you know, Reiki found me. I didn't yeah. find Reiki and all of the modalities that I do now, they really found me. <laughs> um, yeah. So when I, the, the, the day that I got my level two, one of the Lyme doctors that was in the practice that I was going to for my own healing connected with me and said, Hey, I know that you got your level two. I have a client that she's been stuck. Would you be willing to work with her? Now I had no intention of working with people. I was just getting my Reiki certification for me. And when she said that I said, well, sure, I, I could do that. And but, you know, then, you know, you start thinking about, okay, you need to get insurance and blah, 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 all these things. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that was Saturday night. And by Monday morning, I had registered my business name, insurance, the whole thing, because, you know, I'm the, I'm kind of a do it to the letter kind of gal when it comes <laughs> to rules like that. Um, and I didn't want to work on anybody without protecting myself in sure. that way. So I started working with, that client and then a couple more clients. And, you know, this, this doctor was funneling people over to me. And then, you know, people in my life were curious about what I was doing. And so I started integrating that in, and then, you know, then, um, biomagnetic therapy, I learned that that was another modality that I used for my own healing. And that's using magnets on energy meridians in the body to, um, to dissolve any kind of, uh, parasites, you know, bacteria, fungus, all that stuff. Ooh. Is that like um, emotion code, Amanda? I know that you practice that as well. Is I do. That, is that similar? Uh, well, uh, biomagnetic therapy is really more of the physical side of illness. We're targeting the physical side of illness where emotion code is also muscle testing, but mm -hmm. we're targeting the emotions 
of okay. the healing. So like, I've got like this three prong thing going, you know, with, um, the physical healing, the emotional healing, and then the energetic healing. So I, right. Um, it's powerful. Yeah. I feel like yeah. that is how practitioners who have gone through this experience end up helping people is that you all of a sudden learn all these things to, that have helped you recover, but yes. then you realize how much of a need there is for everybody else. And it's, yeah. it's hard to not want to do it all the time. When... Well, it's so true, Melanie. And the thing too, is that I have found as my practice has grown, people want to work with people who understand firsthand yes. what they are going through because you know, there's a lot of people out there that are calling themselves coaches that are calling themselves practitioners. And they're, they're not necessarily, and this is like a little, a little pet peeve, but you know, they're not necessarily going and doing the work. They're not getting yeah. the certifications there. And I feel that those things are very important to do, yeah. um, you know, for credibility. Plus you, you need mentors, right? We all need mentors in our learning, and I did all of those things and to be able to sit down and talk to a client and say, okay, I understand exactly what you're feeling. You know, when we're talking about brain fog or, or a flare or a herx right. or, you know, different detoxing, you know, what those things feel like people want to work with people that understand it firsthand, you know, yeah. they've been gaslit for so long and it's, you know, and even some of the Lyme doctors out there, we love them, of course, but it's very different for people when they are talking to a Lyme doctor about what to do versus talking to somebody who has actually lived it and sure. actually knows what those treatments feel like and know what they're going through. So that's why I like to kind of buddy up with Lyme doctors and say, Hey, you do the prescription and you give them the protocols and I'm mm -hmm. going to coach them through it. And I'm going to help them with all those daily ins and outs so that they understand what to expect. And we've set them up so that when they feel like a herx coming or when the brain fog is bad, I can give them tools and tricks of things that can help them to make it through those days right. so that they stay compliant with the protocols that the doctor has put them on. So that's, you know, where, where my health coaching comes in and I primarily work with people with Lyme disease, but you know, I really bring it all together for, yeah. for the client. It's so, it's so interesting to me. I think that that's so important. And what I love about what you do is what I've found is that a lot, there's a lot of people doing a lot of physical healing within the Lyme and chronic illness community, right? They're going to doctors they're doing a lot of physical work the energy and the emotional and the spiritual piece is really the last piece of the puzzle to really fully heal. And a lot of people are blocked and kind yes. of like, can't get past. Right. And they don't know why, why am I stuck? Why can't I get past this? And I think one of the things that I really wanted to ask you was just, you see a lot of people who come in with chronic illness and have Lyme. Do you notice specific emotions or specific chakras or specific just things that kind of are overlap between clients or is everyone kind of like their own story? Everybody is their own story, of course, but I do find that there is always some kind of trauma that yeah. they're holding on to deep down inside, be it sexual trauma, be it, um, you know, d divorce, uh, a parent passes away and, you know, when the child is young, you know, they've witnessed something. There's always a big trauma that has happened that they don't even realize 
is linked to what is holding them into their illness. So that was another thing that, you know, in this journey, I was like, wow, there's a lot of trauma going on here. So I actually went through, you know, a huge trauma program to learn how to help clients that are processing different traumas, staying in my lane, of course, you know, Mm -hmm. once we uncover that there is a trauma going on, sometimes the client needs to work with an appropriate professional to, to do some of that really deep healing because I'm not a therapist, but I am trauma informed. So if we're starting to uncover some traumas, yes, there are plenty of tools that I can give them, but also, you know, I can say to them, okay, let's get you with a trauma informed provider, somebody who understands exactly what you're going through so that you can process this through with them in a safe way. And and they can give you the tools so that, you know, you don't feel like, oh gosh, I've got this trauma and now I'm all alone in this. You know, I'm, I'm, I like to help people in that regard. Yeah. And for somebody who's kind of new to energy healing, cause I, I did see an energy healing practitioner at the beginning of my journey and I had no idea what it was. I just was like, my doctor told me you could try it and like, see how it helps you. It might. And I was just so all for it. I was like, I'm going to try everything. And for somebody who's kind of new to this world, who might be seeing a therapist already, what can energy healing bring that, you know, therapy might not be able to. Oh, that's such a good question. I do have therapists that refer clients to me because the beauty of energy healing is that we are tapping into the things that the person, they can't say it, they can't verbalize it. It, it, it hurts too much, or maybe it's embarrassing. Maybe it feels shameful for them. So when I'm working with a client and they come to me and they're like, I, I want to do energy healing and I'll, I'll tell them, you know, sometimes I can feel what the energy is tied to. I'm not a mind reader, but sometimes I can feel, oh, this is sexual trauma, or I can feel what kind of trauma it is. And I tell them flat out, we don't have to talk about anything. You know, if you just want to know, like, okay, I cleared some energy. I move some energy around. I replenish some energy. We can talk about it very lightly like that. Or if you need some help processing some of the things that come up, we can talk about that but it's the things that they can't say in therapy. I find a lot of times that's when they come into energy healing and all of a sudden we're shifting that energy because when people are going to therapy, the healing comes from being able to say it, to be able to vocalize it. That's what makes the space in their body. Like, oh, I, I finally was able to say it, but sometimes it just can't be done yet. So when we go in and we we're, we're like taking a shortcut, right? We're remo- we're moving that energy. We're shifting that energy in the body without it having to come out of the throat, right? And then it feels safer. It feels yeah. less vulnerable. Um, so then you know they can enjoy the space that is that is brought when that realization happens and they say something, but they don't have to do the talking. I have plenty of clients who are like, I don't even want to talk about it, even with the motion code will find trapped emotions and I'll say, okay, this is the trapped emotion that is coming up. And there's the option to decode. Do we want to go into that emotion? What age were you when that emotion yeah. implanted into your energy field? Um, you know, what was the circumstance around it? You know, were there other people involved? Did it come through prenatal? Did it come through ancestral? You know, and sometimes I have a, one client, she's like, I don't want to do any decoding at all. 
Just find it. Tell me what it is. Take it out. That's it. You know, meeting people with where they're at. So when it comes to talk therapy versus Mm -hmm. energy healing therapy, I think that that is probably the biggest key is not having to vocally process everything. And it helps people to be able to release it. It sometimes feels safer. And then I send them back to their talk therapist and there's been a shift. So then they can continue to do their work and continue to move forward in their healing. That gives me chills. I mean, is it possible for energy healers to know that there's trapped energy or trauma that the person doesn't even realize like things that's what is so crazy to me because that's what i discovered through my energy healing was that there was generational trauma that i didn't Mm -hmm. even realize that like i was able to clear with the healer and i felt so different like i I mean to the point of being brought to tears even though i didn't know that that was holding me back from something and it's so it's just another tool in your toolbox that is so powerful and i i think that that as a chronic illness person is what we're all looking for are just more tools to use to heal. And I know, I mean, energy healing is, I'm sure new to a lot of people. So for people who are a little like, how does this work? Like, what does this look like for a newcomer? What would you tell them how, like what to expect? Yeah, for sure. Good question. (laughs) Because I feel like, I feel like a lot of people are they, they won't approach energy work because sometimes let's face it, it just seems really out there. <laughs> and, and, and yeah. that is a lot for some people, especially when you get a person, you know, in, in, in healing from Lyme, especially there's different camps. There's people that want to use like antibiotics, mm-hmm. IVs, go to the doctor. And then there's people that, you know, they want to go the herbal route. They want to do it as natural as possible. And those are the people that tend to be a little more uh, open to energy healing in the beginning, you know, cause you have that kind of conventional versus, you know, um, natural kind of mindset. So for people that are brand new to it, I tell them, first of all, um, one of the things that you, you should be able to expect from an energy healer is for them to have good communication with you, asking you, what are you interested in working on? Um, because I think that sometimes, you know, energy healers, they can see and feel into a person's energy. And sometimes somebody is not ready to go there. I think it's very important for somebody, and this isn't to knock people that are new energy healers, but for people that have complex chronic health conditions, I think that it's helpful to work with somebody who has experience in working with people in all different ranges of their health. Um, Because I think that there are things that I do with my clients. For example, I always work on a client's liver when I'm doing energy healing. I do that because I understand what a Herx feels like. And with energy healing, you're making space, you're moving energy around. And sometimes that can cause a Herx effect in people. Mm -hmm. That's not to scare anybody. But when I'm working with a person with chronic illness, I explain that to them. Sometimes things can cause a little bit of a Herx, but I also give them tools to deal with that. Now, somebody who is new isn't going to maybe know how to do all that. Right. I mean, I've had clients come to me that have said, I worked with this person, you know, they're, they're just a general practitioner and I was herxing really bad. 
And I'm like, okay, you know, some of the things that I do like magnets, I won't work on, on anybody with magnets until I know that they have a good detox protocol that they're doing on a daily basis, you know, so you can expect good communication. You can expect the, you know, that like when I'm working with somebody, I want to understand what it is that you're dealing with when it comes to illness, because maybe you have Lyme, but maybe you have other things as well. You know, so we want to make sure that we understand that scope. Um, I also like clients to know that, you know, if anything is uncomfortable, they have the say to be able to say, I want to stop, or I need you to explain what it is that I'm feeling, what it is that you're doing. And, and, you know, I only work with people virtually now. So, you know, that's whether it's virtually or whether a practitioner is working with somebody in person, there's always that option to stop. Um, and then I always explain to people how this actually works because it seems really woo woo and out there and I can talk the woo, but I can also <laughs> talk the science, right? right? This is very scientific. You know, when you yeah. are tapping into somebody's energy field, you are traveling through the quantum energy field and you are tapping into a person's human energy field, right? Like through their aura into their energy field, like the word aura, super woo woo, right? But mm -hmm. I explain it to people like, remember in the days where you used to be able to go to the grocery store and stand in line, however far apart you wanted. And did you ever have that person that was standing too close behind you? Like you mm -hmm. could almost feel their breath on your neck and you're like, Ugh. and mm -hmm. like, you can feel it without even <laughs> yeah. seeing it. And it makes you take a step forward. That is your energy field mm -hmm. bumping into somebody else's energy field. It's uncomfortable right? Like yeah. when it's not your own energy, those are examples of how our energies affect each other. Um, and how I explain it to people when doing virtual work, I'll say to people, have you ever thought about somebody that you haven't seen or spoken to in a long time? And all of a sudden you see them at the store or they call you on the phone or you get an email from them. Like somehow all of a sudden there's a connection to them. And that is because through the quantum energy field, your energy is touching. Like it's almost like a little tap on the shoulder, right? And That's it brings cute. that energy together. And it doesn't matter how far apart you are in order for this to happen. So when I'm working with somebody, I always ask their permission to go into their energy field. Never, ever, ever should anybody go into anybody's energy field without permission. And I always give the expectation of how long I will be in their energy field. So an example would say, okay, Melanie, let's do some energy work together. Do I have permission to be in your energy field for the next hour? So I always set that expectation. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the session, I have a whole, you know, procedure that I do to move our energy apart from each other, to seal your energy up and then to reseal my energy up. So those are the things that anybody should expect when they're working with an energy healer. I thought that so, was a very long explanation. No, it was, but it was perfect. absolutely important perfect. points. <laughs> it's so perfect because so many people are going to, you know, have those types of questions you've, you've mentioned tools a few times. And I know from working with you, one of my favorite things about working with you is that you've given me so many cool tools that I can do for pain. And as well yes. as my anxiety, those are the two things I struggle with, with my chronic illness. And so 
I think for people that are want to play with this a little bit or who are trying it out, you know, what are some exercises that they could do or something they could do at home to kind of integrate some energy healing into their life? Yeah, sure. So a couple that I tend to, to give a lot of clients that are helpful because everybody in chronic illness land has times where they can't sleep. Um, so one of the, and this is an energy healing technique, but really it's kind of playing with the senses a little bit. So let's say you wake up two o'clock in the morning, I can't sleep. What I tell people to do is number one, don't jump on your iPad or anything with the blue light, right? Cause you're going to start activating your pineal gland and it's just going to wake you up even more. So I'll tell people, put one hand over your forehead and put one hand on the occiput, which is that like the back of your skull where it kind of dips in, like put, put one hand in each of those spots and lay there with your eyes closed. Your third eye, right? If you're, if you're somebody who knows your chakras or your energy centers of your body, your third eye is where your pineal and your pituitary gland, like they talk to each other, right? So Mm -hmm. it's almost like closing the shutters over each one of those, like lights out time to go to sleep so that you can keep them from getting really activated. Right. So that's why I like this particular hand position to lay there and just try to breathe, like almost like count, right. Count to five as you inhale, count to five as you exhale, that can help to Um, bring you back to sleep. Oh my God. I love that so much. Yeah. I struggle with insomnia. Like it's uh, yeah. Pain insomnia is a thing or my brain racing. So that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a really good one. Another one that I like to tell people, um, for relaxation, it's a quick way to relax, especially like if you're waking up in the middle of the night and and you're like me and it's like, here comes my to-do list for the day, (laughs) right in my head. Right. Doesn't matter what time, if I wake up, Um, one of the things that I like to do is put hands over my ears so that I can like hear the blood going through my ears. It's kind of a trick, like when we're babies, you know, in the womb, that is one of the things that lulls us to sleep is hearing the heartbeat, right? So when you're laying in the middle of the night in the dark and you put your hands over your ears, sometimes if you focus, you can start to hear your heartbeat. And it gives you something to focus on other than racing thoughts. So then it helps you to fall back asleep and it, and it gives you relaxation if it's during the day. And, you know, if you can get yourself to a room where maybe you can put like a, like a, um, like a mask over your eyes or like one of those eye pillows, you know, to, to simulate darkness. And then you do that with your ears. A lot of times it can help to bring anxiety down in the middle of the day. Another favorite for anxiety, for all my anxiety peeps out there, (laughs) if you, if you um, are prone to panic attacks, right. If If you have a lot of panic attacks, sometimes you can feel in the top, like right underneath your collarbones, you feel that spot get hot, right. Um, that's our thymus gland. A lot of times when we're going into a panic attack, you'll start to feel heat almost blooming out of that area. So what I do is I tell people just tap it. That's a, that's an EFT tapping point. If people are into tapping, if you tap it, it can help. The vagus nerve is right behind that. The vagus nerve is that big master nerve that actually goes from the top of our head all the way down along our spine and into our tailbone. 
So when we start to get a panic attack, some of that is because our vagus nerve is having a hard time regulating. Mm -hmm. So if we do some gentle, it doesn't have to be pounding, right? It's not like Tarzan, but just very (laughs) gentle, very gentle tapping, and then try to focus on the breath. That's a technique that can help to calm the anxiety down, especially for those of us who we have hangups about taking that anxiety medication that our doctor gave us, right? Like we don't want to be reliant on that pill. Take the pill, please. But <laughs> right, no yes. shame in your anxiety medication game, yeah. but you know, sometimes you can, you can short it out if you just do a little bit of tapping. I mean, I have so many little tricks like that, that yeah. I like to teach clients to, to help them have tools. So that when we're in between sessions, they have some ways to regulate themselves. Yeah. So it's like giving them homework. And I, I love that, that idea of providing that for people, because I do feel like to your point, you know, with some of these more inexperienced, you know, Reiki teachers and and coaches in general, they kind of leave people with what am I supposed to do now? Like I came into this healing. Right. And then they're like, well, now what? So giving people the tools to do that in between sessions also empowers them to kind of take it into their own hands, which is cool. Absolutely. I mean, I think that one of the areas of opportunity for a lot of practitioners out there is they feel that the client is coming to them to do, to do the work and then, okay, well, we'll see you next session. Um, And one of the things that I do is I actually send my client a note and then at the bottom, I'll, I actually write like recommendations and I'll give them recommendations of things that they can do. So some say, oh, okay, give me homework. Well, homework if you want it. But I like to write out things for people to say, okay, these are things that I can do so that if they're having a brain foggy day, because I write out everything that we do in a session, but you know, if they can't read that big long note, then they can just go right to the bottom to the recommendations so that they know, okay, oh right, we talked about tapping, we talked about vu breath is another one. Um for vagus nerve regulation. If you're, if you're trying to regulate your vagus nerve, another thing that you can do is just take a couple deep breaths and then on an exhale, just say the word vu, but like sing it like vu. You can feel the vibration in your chest. So what I tell people is put your hand over your belly and try to get the vibration to move down to your belly. So sometimes you're going vu in the beginning, but by the end you're going because you're pushing it down. That's another way to regulate the vagus nerve. I write all of that out in the recommendation for them so that they have those tools. So then let's say we're starting to move our sessions further apart because in the beginning, I tend to work with people weekly, but as we're stretching those sessions apart a little further, you know, I'll say to people, now, if you get stuck, I want you to go through each of your notes and just read through your recommendations because you've got a lot of tools in there So I don't want you to feel nervous that we're not seeing each other for two weeks, right? You've got some notes, work off of your notes. And that's very helpful to people because a lot of times maybe they have forgotten something that we talked about weeks ago. And now they're like, oh, right, I have that, right? So we're building a toolbox for the client to use as they're getting better. Yeah, which gives the client the control back. You know, I think something we are so scared about with chronic illness is that it's out of our control. Our symptoms are out of our control and you don't have to be afraid of it if you know how to control it, which I think is so important and and just vital with, with energy work. 
Right. And, and one of the things that we work on too, when it comes to control, a lot of times when people start working with me, you know, again, to go back to the medical gaslighting that goes on, you know, they come to me and they're just, they're down and out, you know, they're like, I just, I'm so stuck. And I want people to feel empowered again. I want people to understand that the control is all theirs. So we talk a lot about that in the beginning. If, you know, if somebody is feeling upset, you know, they feel like nothing's changing, nothing's getting better, you know, because we've all been there, right? Um, One of the most empowering things for people is to be able to understand that you hire your doctor to give you advice that does not mean that you have to do everything that that doctor says, right? Because a lot of times as your power is being taken away in the process of healing, right? You're, you're being told, well, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, or you're being told, well, no, you know, you're, or you're misdiagnosed with something, you know, slowly little pieces of your empowerment is taken away. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, it's time to reclaim all of that. We're going to start calling all of your energy back to you. So if you're not comfortable with whatever doctor you're working with, let's find a new one. Let's get somebody that practices in a way that you're more of a team team together mm-hmm. versus one person telling the other what to do. Some of the mm-hmm. things that people tell me that they are told you know, in this process of being diagnosed or, you know, different specialists that they work with. It's sometimes people are made to feel, well, if you don't do what I say, you're never going to get better. Right. And it's such crap. It's crap. Toxic. (laughs) It is so toxic. So it's like, that's one of the things right off the bat is we start working on bringing your, bringing your power back to you, you know, Um, because energy healers, we are not healing the person. We are reminding people that the power is in them to heal. We are just kind of unlocking it for them again. And I think it's the responsibility of energy healers to teach people how to call that up through themselves so that they can keep their energy going and, you know, keep their healing going. You know, energy healers aren't doing the healing. We're doing the reminding that you have the power to heal. Right. Which is so important. I mean, because it's so easy for to forget throughout this process. It's so easy. It is. And there's a whole lot of ego out there in the world. And it's like, I I don't operate in a place of ego like that. It's like, no, yeah. this, this healing is yours. Yeah. You yeah how to you do can, it. Yeah. It's your work. You have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah. for those people that are still in those beginning, like first steps, you know, of maybe going to medical doctors and trying to get a diagnosis and feeling out of control and feeling stuck, like, what are some of the first things, you know, that they can do with energy work or, or, you know, how to like find you? What are the best ways to kind of start navigating this world, I guess? Yeah. Well, in addition to energy healing, I do coaching for people. So sometimes, you know, we, you ever have that friend that they connect with you and they're like, I think I might have Lyme. What do I do? Yeah. You know, I have a lot of people now that just say, go see Amanda, like, yeah. go talk to Amanda because <laughs> it's a lot to navigate. Um, and I think that sometimes people, you know, all human beings want to be seen, heard and loved, right? That's the, the top three things that every human being wants. So 
a lot of times they need somebody to just listen to their whole story with open mind and be able to give them some direction. Because I think a lot of times what happens is as we're being kind of tossed from doctor to doctor to doctor, we start to abbreviate our story, don't we? Mm -hmm. We start to shorten it. We start to cut out pieces that we think are important. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. I want to hear, I want to hear all, I don't care if it's 20 years worth. Yeah. I want to hear, what did you do? Who did you see? What did they say? How did you feel? And I think that's the most important thing. How do you feel about that? You know, because I think one of the things when people are losing pieces of themselves during this process, they have little pings that, you know, maybe a doctor is talking about a diagnosis or a treatment and you, you get a ping like, Ooh, that kind of sounds good. That, that sounds right to me. And then, you know, they'll get shot down, you know, Oh, well, I really like the thought of this. And they'll say, yeah, but you don't have that. Or, you know, they're fighting for a diagnosis. So I think speaking to somebody, you know, and, and I love to do that with people is just to hear their story and say, okay, let's back up to when you saw 14 doctors ago, when they said X, Y, Z, and you felt really good about that. Let's find somebody that can help you to explore that more, right? I, I, I help people find Lyme doctors because a lot of times people will think, oh, I need a Lyme doctor. I'm going to go on this website and put in my zip code and get the list of people around me. And that's not always the best way to do it, right? Because maybe the doctor that's close to you, their treatment methodologies are not things that resonate with you at all. You know, maybe you need somebody who does something completely different but you're like, well, that doctor's close to me. So you try to make it work. And it's like, Mm-mm. so just being able to talk to somebody to say, okay, here's how to navigate all of this. I think that's a good way to start. And energy healing, a lot of times in the beginning, we're doing it simply because that person needs to get some of that negative energy. They need to discharge that out of their system so that they can make that space for the healing that, that is waiting to come in. Yeah. Everybody needs this. I mean, gosh, like (laughs) I talked to so many clients that are so desperate for this kind of work. And I, I, for somebody who, you know, is looking for someone like you, Mm -hmm. is there anything that you're kind of up to right now that people could buy or what is being a client like in your business? Uh, How can people find you, Amanda? Because I think after this, a lot of people are going to want to come see you. (laughs) So I, I, I hope that the people that feel called to will connect with me. Um, I hang out a lot on Instagram and it's really me, not a social media manager. I answer my own DMS and everything. Um, but my, my Instagram is doll holistic health. And on the weekends, I do a, like a little series called ask a Lyme coach, where I put the question box, people can ask their burning questions. And then I publish the answers, not with the person's name, of course, but I'll publish some answers to try to help people to uh, just learn a little bit more about how I think about things and my methodologies of things. And it gives them some answers, right? Because it's hard sometimes to navigate out in Lyme world. Um, And also my website, dollholistichealth.com. When people start working with me, one of the things that I think that I like for every client to take advantage of is my free 30 minute call to start so that we can talk to each other for a little bit. I want to hear their story. You know, how can what I do help what they need? 
right? Because mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we're good match. You know, everything that we do for healing is an investment, not just in a financial investment, but also a time investment an energetic investment. So I like for people to feel comfortable when we're working together. So the free 30 minute call is really the way for people to start. And then, um, if they're comfortable, then we book a first session and then we go from there. You know, they can do follow-up sessions. I have packages, um, you know, uh, and, and in my sessions, my sessions are 90 minutes long, but in my sessions, we're not locked into doing one thing. People don't have to come to the session and say, okay, I know that you said we're doing Reiki today. No, we can do some health coaching. We can do emotion code, magnets, Reiki, you know, whatever. We can, we can mix it up, whatever we have time for but I like to talk to the client at the beginning of the call and say, what's been going on? How are you feeling? And then a lot of times I'll know like immediately, okay, this is what we're going to need to do today. And then I make that suggestion. Usually the client's like, yeah, I think that, that that sounds good. So we don't have to, there's no pressure coming into session, like that you have to know what you want to do on that day. Yeah. That's it's very so free flowing, incredible. right? Like, yes. I, yeah. I feel like, I mean, especially as somebody who is an energy healer, like going with the flow of the energy seems, seems like the way to go. Yeah. It's, it's important. It's important when people feel locked in, it just feels very binding. And, you know, and again, that like too controlled, somebody else controlling your time and right. you no, like we need things to be free flowing so that the person's right. energy right. can flow for sure. Right. Bringing yeah. in that flow. I mean, we have enough rigidity in the chronic illness community. We don't need more. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm just, I'm so grateful for your time and you explaining all of this. I know that I'll be booking with you ASAP because <laughs> things have been coming up through the entire time that you've been talking, um, where Me I'm too. like, okay, I, yeah. I'm like, I'm being, I'm being called. Like I'm being told from my guides and my energy. That's like, Oh, like you need to see Amanda, like ASAP. So yeah. I will definitely be doing that. But I just wanted to say thank you so much because this is such an important piece of the healing puzzle that I just am so grateful to have shared with our community, because I think people really need that to get through some of the blocks that they're experiencing. So I just, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to share with people that you know, have been looking for this, this work. Um, I hope to be able to connect and, and to help people. Yeah. Thank, thank you so you. much, Amanda. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you both. All right. Hot goss it is. On to hot goss, baby. <laughs> okay. I'm excited. <laughs> Me too. I haven't been watching a lot of new shows like it's i don't know what's going on with me i've been watch re-watching a lot of shows but the things that i have been watching i've been enjoying but it's been few and far between well and everything's coming back i think that that's that's sort of how i've been feeling as well Is like i'm either re-watching old stuff watching new seasons of stuff coming back which is awesome like i'm here for that mm -hmm. but yeah i haven't really explored anything super new either or nothing is really grabbing me right I don't know. We're in like a lull. A weird We're TV in a lull, lull, but there's things to talk about. Like I think yes. Mrs. Uh, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel came back. So that season I think hit both of us like a whirlwind because they were they released three episodes, then they were releasing one by one, and then suddenly it was the end. And I was just very confused. Yes. <laughs> like yes. what happened? I'm so glad you felt the same way as me because I yeah. I downloaded two episodes on my phone when I had to take a plane flight last weekend. And I watched both of them on the plane. And it was episode eight and it ended. And then this Friday, 
I went on to like watch the last two episodes. I was like, oh, there's gonna be two two more. Yay, thank God. And they didn't have anything. Yeah, no, it's done. It was eight uh, episodes, which like, I don't know what's going on with TV in general. Like what happened to the 20 episode seasons of shows? Like eight episodes, that's all you get. Like that's freaking lazy. Like stop that. Like please stop that now. I I feel like (laughs) I understand. Like I know they do have like a much bigger budget in those eight episodes. Yeah. Like I get it. I mean, there's some crazy, crazy sets in that show. Then I yeah. watched like some behind the scenes, like the whole episode where they were in Coney Island and they had yeah. like a million well, extras. Yeah. Yeah. And I, retro. I, right. Like I, I get it. The effort that they put in that show and they actually film in New York city. Like it's actually there. So they have to get all the permits and they have to shut off the areas and like, there's a whole part with in Washington Square Park. And I'm like, I know that that's that place is busy. So like, it's just crazy because yeah. I, I know like the effort that goes into making the show, but I wasn't ready for it to end episode eight. Yeah. I feel like it finally got really good. And I was so excited to see more like it ugh. also was it also was a really hard season. And I kind of felt this last season a little bit as well, because I know that it's challenging for her to sort of like be breaking into this new career, right. As a comedian. But I think then the previous seasons, we saw more wins and successes and not just like the repeated, like she's getting beat up all over Mm -hmm. the place. And I found that hard to watch. I think just kind of like wanting her to just to see that she like still kicks ass and that she does really well. And I feel like it was like, kind of like disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, which is very much probably like what it actually is breaking into comedy as a woman in that era. But like, it was, I found it to be a little bit challenging to watch. And then the other thing that really kind of got me was like the end had this culmination of the relationship of her and Lenny Bruce and where that's headed gives me anxiety. Yeah. And I remember seeing an interview with Rachel Brosnahan and she said Mm -hmm. that she didn't want that relationship to happen. Right. And I think you mentioned that to me too, because I had seen Mm -hmm. that and she's like, I just don't think that her and Lenny are meant to be. And like, I just love the relationship they have with each other right now without it being romantic and so i I never knew i never knew what they were gonna do it was a very will they won't they obviously you know in the back of my mind i'm waiting for that to happen the entire season i was like ready for that there was such a sexy high tension episode with them dancing in that bar last season while she was on tour that was like that to me was like so incredible and that's when i had read that article her saying that and her reasoning for it was that she really liked the sort of male female relationship that was platonic between them and kind of like dancing with that line, but not crossing it. So I was actually not expecting them to cross it. I wasn't either. And also the other thing is like, I love him. I love his character. I do love their relationship together. Like all of that, I think is just, it's just so beautifully done. What's really harrowing to me is your creating a fictional world and then you're bringing in a character who is a real is a real historical person who died of an overdose like this is not news right this is we know that Lenny Bruce died of an overdose so like my anxiety always with the relationship with Lenny was like I keep having to check what year it is because I know when he dies <laughs> like yeah. this is not yeah. you know what I mean like he 
this is true, right? It's not a spoiler. This is what it is, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I know it's a fictional show, but I assume they're going... Like they have to. Yeah. Well, they teased it. They also teased the, yeah. the drug use in the last episode. So now we know that it's going Headed to in go that there. direction. Yeah. Which I'm just dreading. And I like they had yeah. the whole scene where Midge like picks him up drunk off the sidewalk and like lets him stay at her apartment and he freaked out about it. Because mm-hmm. obviously, like he has a problem, right? Like he's reckless and and does stupid shit and he doesn't want anybody to have to rely on him or be there for him because he doesn't even want to be there for himself and so he's this like tragic character right that is so one of my favorites to watch which it's so hard to watch like the downfall of characters like that but they really are some of my favorite stories and i i love midge but like her and lenny oh my heart so i i I really but i do understand why he's there i feel like he serves a purpose to Mm -hmm. to push her in the right direction because he's done it and he cares about her and and I loved, loved, loved that episode. And I just did not expect that to be the finale. Like, yeah. it just ended on such a weird note. And yeah, that's it. I mean, it's Ugh. it's kind of, you know, it was supposed to be, I think, reminiscent of the early seasons when she was kind of like saying that she wanted to be Lenny Bruce, right? Like, that's kind of why they had brought it back to that place where she wanted to be him. And he's kind of like, now at this point where he's sort of playing the game a little bit, right. Where he's like playing Carnegie hall and now he's becoming this person. So I think there's like this element of she's seeing something that she wants, but it's like, she's going to have to change her path and the way she's doing things to get there. Cause it's just not working really. Right. Right. I love the show. I mean, it's so good. it has a really big soft spot in my heart and I'm excited for the next season as you know hopefully we won't have to wait like two and a half years like we did this time but yeah i did i was really excited to talk to you about a show you finally watched ma'am um ted yes. lasso which is just my favorite of all time and i can't wait to hear your <laughs> thoughts and i know you've been like sitting on them and not telling me them, oh my so god yes please okay. dish <laughs> okay so let's talk ted lasso so i the reason why i hadn't watched ted lasso is because i did not have apple tv However, I, when I was flying home from LA, I was watching, I watched the first four episodes of the morning show and the first two episodes of Ted Lasso kind of like got sucked into watching the show. And it was really interesting because as I do with all things that I start watching is that I then begin to do research on <laughs> everything. I, for whatever reason, I am obsessed with like why things are made, the way things are made, what's going through the character's head. Like, I think I actually Googled, does Jason Sudeikis like playing this character? Like <laughs> I have to get like into the minds of like psychology. Like I like, I need to understand like all this back, like behind the scenes stuff. Like yeah. I always say to Rob, I do it even more with reality TV, but I always say to Rob, like I should have gone into TV. Like I might at some point, like I'm just, I love it. So yeah. anyway, so a few things. One is I absolutely love the show. It made me so happy in my heart. It, of course, because it's co-created by the same person that did Scrubs and How I Met Your Mother, which are two of my other favorite shows on the planet. I didn't know that. Love that. But what was interesting is as I was reading interviews with Jason Stakis, they were asking him how the character 
and the personality of Ted Lasso came to be because originally it was an ad that they did for world cup. And then they were like, okay, like people are loving this. We have to like make it, but that doesn't then make a show make of a personality and a character and all this stuff. So Jason Sudeikis said that he actually based the character, the characterization of Ted Lasso on after reading a book by Michael Pollan and Michael Pollan called how to change your mind. Basically it's about like ayahuasca and tripping and it's kind of about the divine feminine. So Ted Lasso as is based, his character and his personality is based on the divine feminine archetype, which is more in flow has a, you know, is a little bit more like I don't know, like think of the word to describe it, but like, basically this is what he said. And, you know, it's got a little bit of like Robin Williams in there, but overall, this is basically about, <laughs> it's about the divine feminine. <laughs> I knew I was going to blow your mind, which is why I saved this. Yeah. This yeah. So all the stuff that we've been talking about a lot of the last episode and all the things that I've been kind of exploring lately of, of the divine feminine and how we sort of bring in you know, feminine and masculine energies into our life day to day and how we balance those things is kind of embodied within this show. Oh my God. Well, yeah. I mean, the reason everyone loves it is because it's so positive. Like the show's so positive, Mm -hmm. like it's very uplifting. It pulls at your heartstrings and you just love this character because he, he feels so reachable and likable and kind and even though he's dealing with his own demons right like he's obviously in season two you know deals with anxiety and and his um realization you know that of things and traumas in his life that he doesn't want to bring into his family's life or the other people he is around their life and but he's still like pushes everyone to be their best, right? Right, right, right. So that was point one that I wanted to tell you. The second thing is that I am obsessed with the character Roy Kent. Yes. Played by (laughs) Brett Goldstein, like obsessed to the point where like Rob, who didn't even want to show with me, has been singing the song like, he's here, he's there, he's every fucking where, Roy Kent, like the whole thing, right? So I watched watched an interview with him and he, the thing that I find most fascinating about him is that he has this crazy deep voice in the show where he's just like he's just like fuck fuck like all the time like it's just like this amazing deep voice so I watched an interview with him of course because I was curious on whether or not he actually sounds like that and I learned his origin story of how he became Roy Kent which is Mm -hmm. that he was a writer on the show and he basically decided that he had Roy in him Mm -hmm. everyone thought it was ridiculous because he like loves the Muppets and Mm -hmm. he also does not have a deep voice like that as I had said and um he filmed like five episodes and then sent it to people. And yeah. the funniest thing about it is that they didn't respond to him and say, that's so great. They were basically like, we have no one else. Like that, that works. <laughs> like that'll do <laughs> like, that's fine. Yeah. So I also loved that little tidbit. And also that everybody, there was a big rumor going around that that character was a CGI fake character and that oh yeah I had heard everyone thought he wasn't real because he like (laughs) stands up straight and all this stuff I don't know whatever people thought he was a fake character oh yeah no I'm obsessed with him and when I found out that he was a writer it blew my mind I was like wait oh my god and he's like I think I'm Roy I think I think he's me like I think that's yeah he's like I have it he's like I have Roy Kent in me like I need to and in like one of the interviews I watched with him like he did have like like he said I like the Muppets which made me laugh but he also had like a Muppet poster behind him yeah yes Muppets like I love I too love the Muppets well so 
yeah. Small spoiler, small spoiler. But like, this is also a question. <clears throat> what do you think is going to happen with Roy and Keeley? I don't know. I think they're probably going in two different directions right now. I love oh. them together. I don't know why they kind of did that. I don't think it was necessary. I feel like they are trying to kind of do, they're trying to add in a little bit of drama here and there. Also, the villainization of the assistant nate the great that was also oh, really, yeah. really hard to watch like can't stand yes. that guy um, yeah but yeah i don't know i think they're trying to throw drama in here and there which they have to because it's a tv show so i don't i they can't just be together and be happy it just never sure. happen well do you know about um what's her name the woman that plays rebecca hannah waddingham Yes, Hannah Waddingham. She is a Broadway star. Well, not Broadway, but she was in the West End. So she's a musical theater performer, which is why she's such a talented singer. Yeah, in the show. Um, But she was so excited to get this part because it filmed literally like 20 minutes away from where she lives in London. And and she had just had kids and she wanted to be able to be close to them. And she's still like her and Jason Sudeikis's relationship is just really sweet because she's constantly saying like, you saved my life. Like this is just the best thing that's ever happened Aww. to me. And I love that so much. It's honestly like, I can't say enough good things about it. It's literally the best show ever right now. It's been a lifeline for me. I, yeah. Rob and I will watch it again because it's it's definitely one the whole family can enjoy. Yeah, well, I'm so glad you finally so watched good. it. It's really one of my top favorites, like top three for sure. And I think I even said that like in one of our lists last year or whenever yeah. we did like, TV show lists. Well, like, yeah, it's... you told me you loved it so much. And, and I kind of, after watching it was like, yes, I understand why. And then when I learned with about Scrubs and How I Met Your Mother, like I was like, you know, cause How I Met Your Mother is I think one of my, is my probably my favorite show of all time. So I think like, so. It's funny too, cause I did watch How I Met Your Father and going back and watching How I Met Your Mother now, I'm like, God, this show is so good. Like, cause How I Met Your Father is just not that good. And I wish I've it were heard. better. I wish it were better, but like they're missing something and I couldn't put my finger on it until Justin like read an article about somebody like reviewing it about what they're missing. What is it? They're missing a, watch it like a Barney, <laughs> like a no, no, no. Uh, yeah, like a bad guy, a bad guy, like one of the friends that just gets everybody into trouble or like yeah. messes things up or stirs the pot and causes controversy. Like any, yeah. it, it, there's no conflicting character amongst the friend group. It's just six like good friends and dealing with the, their like relationships mm. and there's not really much conflict um besides that sophie who's hillary duff's character is a photographer and she's kind of like a struggling artist and she just turned 30 and she's mm. trying to like pretend like she's this adult that has it together when she's really yeah. not um but i mean i will say that the show did get better by like the last two episodes but i mean the whole first part of the season i was just really disappointed there weren't a lot of jokes it really made me laugh and and i'm like oh it's pretty good it's pretty good until i go back and watch how i met your mother and i'm laughing like the entire time well it's got to be really hard now because like so much of the barney stuff probably wouldn't be accepted right now it's how watching scrubs i said to rob i was like oh my god like there's so many things in the show that would not be allowed right now or be okay. Right, right. And I, you know, we can unpack that at another time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I, yeah. there's so many layers that I don't want to like, but my point, like they probably were maybe overcorrecting or being like cautious. Yeah. yeah like and it kind PC. of was, pro- 
to PC. And now it's like, okay, so now they just have like, which makes me sad. I'm Rob, I'm definitely going to watch it just because I have to, but like, and I also just love Hill Duff, but like, Mm -hmm. that makes me sad. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll, they'll have their learning year. And if they get renewed, then they'll fix all the mistakes. Yeah. They're renewed. I think they're renewed for like two or three more seasons already, which is crazy. Cause I was like, not expecting that. Um, and I haven't watched the finale yet. We're still kind of sleeping on the finale. Well, this is kind of like a spoiler. Do you want to know? No. Okay. No, okay. I'm going to You typically yeah, want to know. I, okay. I know, but this one I haven't even started. So I don't even know. <laughs> okay. I have no questions. I have no like, no, yeah. not yet. No, no, There are some connections to how I met your mother and like they, 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 yeah. they do kind of start like revealing themselves throughout the show. So that's kind of a fun one. Um, but just side note, I am watching Inventing Anna on Netflix, which is better than I thought it would be. And I do recommend it. Uh, I also watched Yellow Jackets, and I don't think I talked about that in the last episode, which is one of no. the best shows. One of the best shows I've watched in a really, really, really long time. I told, I was like, "Are you watching this show?" And then yeah. you were like, "Yeah, I just started it. You should not watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's intense. It's, I mean, yeah, it's I uh, like there's cannibalism involved, and there's been like a lot of stuff coming out about that, which kind of is weird. There's like a new movie on Hulu called Fresh that um daisy edgar jones who was in normal people and sebastian stan are in and like i found out it's not like a rom-com it's like about cannibalism or something and i'm, I'm like why is this like a thing right now like it I don't, is it is a thing i don't i don't know why i don't let's put that away um but yellow jackets is very good if you're into like drama and it's about like a teen soccer team a high school soccer team that crashes on a in a deserted forest and and it's based on a, a true story um so it's it's pretty wild and i loved it i loved it loved it very excited for season two um but amanda i did want to tell you how sorry i am that you didn't watch the bachelor this season um, i'm not sorry <laughs> i'm not sorry because you and your sister recapped the whole thing for me the whole finale for me and so therefore i am good but yeah i i have renewed faith um renewed faith like i really uh. was dreading this season i did not like clayton i was kind of like over it he's boring he was not really an empathetic person um even though he was like being honest and vulnerable and emotional which like i, I appreciate it just it didn't seem like he had much empathy and i think that that's where i had a lot of issues with the season but it got so exciting the last three episodes it was a total shit show and i was so excited to see how it all played out and isn't that the reason why we watch the show in the first place mm-hmm. is for when shit hits the fan and like everything just starts blowing up and you're like yeah. oh my god like heartbreak left and right oh what's gonna happen like this is juicy and then ugh, twist they announced that the two girls that clayton like fully bro- like broke up with together at the same time that both of them are going to be the bachelorette which i just think is such no. a crazy i know but like i hate the, the double bachelorette like stop. Well, i think that they're gonna do it differently i because they were gonna do it like because last year they did Katie and then they did Michelle separate seasons right and that was just overkill like that was too much for me I didn't want two seasons of The Bachelorette but from what I hear it sounds like they're probably both they said they're both gonna be in the same season so what I'm imagining is like the two girls are standing in front of the mansion night one and the guys like come out of the limo and either are on Rachel's team or Gabby's team and they kind of like decide who they're going to be competing for and like that's that like hopefully there won't be back and forth 
Um, but there are shows, I mean, where there's like multiple connections going on at the same time. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like what Bachelor in Paradise is, right? Um, but I don't know. God, I can I see it. I can see it being kind of fun because like especially in group dates, if like both of the girls are there, it's more like a friend hangout than it is like get that person's attention. Yeah. Okay, but I'm here for I don't it. Know. I'll, maybe I'll give it a try. We'll see. We'll see. We'll I mean, see. The, sh- the show still like is just trying to grasp at straws sometimes, but yeah, like drain circleage hard. I heard it's not coming back until July though, so Bachelor okay. it will be July 11th, and that's a nice long break. I think we need that. I think we need that. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. I think that's everything we had for today. Um, enjoy watching Bridgerton if you haven't already, which is coming out on my birthday <laughs> so Happy birthday. i hope everyone enjoys the show i'm excited to see season two and all that unfolds and you know hopefully all of the exciting instrumental pop song like sexual scenes that we got <laughs> season one let's be real can't wait can't wait for it all <laughs> right well that was great and we'll we'll talk to you guys soon mel and i are kind of i think just figuring out what a cadence is going to look like now that she's working full-time and I'm me as all of you that know me that got yeah. barely have time to go go to the bathroom. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see when we see ya. But we love you guys and thank you for listening. Yeah. And as always, like give us a rating or review an Apple podcast if you enjoyed what you heard. And we look forward to talking to all of you next time. Happy healing. Bye.